0: This episode is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com. Stay calm with BunnySlippers.com. You know what will help? Retail therapy. Why not buy some Highland Cow Slippers from BunnySlippers.com? These woolly bulls will keep your feet feeling snug and, well, looking damn cool. I have to highly recommend them. Excuse the darn out there, you know. This is a family show, or at least... This portion of the Feed as a Family show. This is Black Clock Audio Tales, and I am your host, D.B. Spitzer. We're going to be going with the third book of the Oz series, second book to have Dorothy. And uh, you might recognize some of this if if you've watched Return to Oz. You'll recognize some elements of this movie. And just to let you know, we're going to have some other stuff going on this month. We're going to have some Dave's Underground Goat shenanigans. Of course, we have articulate warbling all the time zach and laura are currently reviewing i believe it's a quiet place so you can check that out if uh, you want to listen to some british people talk about a quiet place You can always find out more about what's going on with PGTTCM by going to PGTTCM.com. Checking out our back catalog, you can go there to find out what's going on with Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans, any of Dave's other corner of the podcast stuff, things I do with Ken Height, stuff that happens with Zach and Laura with Articulate Warbling, this show, of course, Black Clock Audio Tales. Find out what's going to be happening in the upcoming months, and of course... People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, the whole reason any of this even started. My show about the Cthulhu Mythos, where I generally have folks like David Heath or Ken Hyde or some other folk come on and talk about whatever it is we're talking about. And I believe we're talking about Alvea and uh, some Clark Ashton Smith uh, this month in... Um, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. And of course, this month, we're talking about Frank Elbaum. Is that it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're talking about him and the Oz stories. We don't have any people going, hey, I'll talk about the Oz. If you want to talk about Oz books, if you are an Oz expert, if you love Oz so much, if you want to be like, hey, can I talk to you about the differences between the books and the movies? Like, hey, sure, send me something. So, you know, uh, and how do you send me something? Go to PGTTCM.com and... Go to the contact us. And remember, if you want to let people know about this show, go to the interwebs, uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you do, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Black Clock Audio Tales, PGTTCM. Here's some. Book three uh, Ozma of Oz.
1: Purple, green, and gold. The Yellow Hen, stepping high and with an air of vast importance, walked slowly over the rich velvet carpets of the splendid palace, examining everything she met with her sharp little eyes. Billina had a right to feel important, for she alone shared the Gnome King's secret, and knew how to tell the objects that were transformations from those that had never been alive. She was very sure that her guesses would be correct and before she began to make them, she was curious to behold all the magnificence of this underground palace, which was perhaps one of the most splendid and beautiful places in any fairyland. As she went through the rooms she counted the purple ornaments, and although some were small and hidden in queer places, Bellina spied them all, and found the entire tin scattered about the various rooms. The green ornaments she did not bother to count, for she thought she could find them all when the time came. Finally, having made a survey of the entire palace and enjoyed its splendor, the yellow hen returned to one of the rooms where she had noticed a large purple footstool. She placed a claw upon this and said, "Ev," And at once the footstool vanished and a lovely lady, tall and slender and most beautifully robed, stood before her. The lady's eyes were round with astonishment for a moment, for she could not remember her transformation, nor imagine what had restored her to life. "'Good morning, ma'am,' said Bellina, in her sharp voice. "'You're looking quite well, considering your age.' "'Who speaks?' demanded the Queen of Eve, drawing herself up proudly. "'Why, my name's Bill, by rights,' answered the hen, who was now perched upon the back of a chair. Although Dorothy has put scallops on it and made it Bellina, but the name doesn't matter. I've saved you from the Gnome King, and you are a slave no longer." "'Then I thank you for the gracious favor,' said the queen, with a graceful curtsy. "'But, my children, tell me, I beg of you, where are my children?' And she clasped her hands in anxious entreaty. "'Don't worry,' advised Bellina, pecking at a tiny bug that was crawling over the chair-back. Just at present they are out of mischief, and perfectly safe, for they can't even wiggle.' "'What do you mean, oh kindly stranger?' asked the Queen, striving to repress her anxiety. "'They're enchanted,' said Bellina, "'just as you have been—all that is except the little fellow Dorothy picked out—and the chances are that they have been good boys and girls for some time, because they couldn't help it. Oh, my poor "'Darlings!' cried the queen, with a sob of anguish. "'Not at all,' returned the hen. "'Don't let their condition make you unhappy, ma'am, because I'll soon have them crowding round to bother and worry you as naturally as ever. Come with me, if you please, and I'll show you how pretty they look.' She flew down from her perch and walked into the next room, the queen following. As she passed the low table, a small green grasshopper caught her eye, And instantly Bellina pounced upon it and snapped it up in her sharp bill. For grasshoppers are a favorite food with hens, and they usually must be caught quickly before they can hop away. It might easily have been the end of Ozma of Oz, had she been a real grasshopper instead of an emerald one. But Bellina found the grasshopper hard and lifeless, and suspecting it was not good to eat she quickly dropped it instead of letting it slide down her throat. I might have known better, she muttered to herself, for where there is no grass there can be no live grasshoppers. This is probably one of the king's transformations." A moment later she approached one of the purple ornaments, and while the queen watched her curiously, the hen broke the gnome king's enchantment, and a sweet-faced girl, whose golden hair fell in a cloud over her shoulders, stood beside them. Ivana cried the queen, my own Evvanna, and she clasped the girl to her bosom and covered her face with kisses. That's all right," said Bellina contentedly. Am I a good guesser, Mr. Nome King? Well, I guess. Then she disenchanted another girl, whom the queen addressed as Evrose, and afterwards a boy named Evardo, who was older than his brother Evring. Indeed the Yellow Hen kept the good queen exclaiming and embracing for some time, until five princesses and four princes, all looking very much alike except for the difference in size, stood in a row beside their happy mother. The princesses were named Evana, Evrose, Avella, Everine, and Evna, while the princes were Evrob, Evington, Evardo, and Everland. Of these, Evardo was the eldest, and would inherit his father's throne, and be crowned king of Ev when he returned to his own country. He was a grave and quiet youth, and would doubtless rule his people wisely and with justice. Bellina, having restored all of the royal family of Ev to their proper forms, now began to select the green ornaments which were the transformations of the people of Oz. She had little trouble in finding these, and before long all the twenty-six officers, as well as the private, were gathered around the Yellow Hen, joyfully congratulating her upon their release. The thirty-seven people, who were now alive in the rooms of the palace, knew very well that they owed their freedom to the cleverness of the Yellow Hen, and they were earnest in thanking her for saving them from the magic of the Gnome King. "'Now,' said Bellina, "'I must find Ozma. She is sure to be here, somewhere.' and of course she is green being from oz so look around you stupid soldiers and help me in my search for a while however they could discover nothing more that was green but the queen who had kissed all her nine children once more and could now find time to take an interest in what was going on said to the hen mayhap my gentle friend it is the grasshopper whom you seek of course it's the grasshopper exclaimed billina I declare I'm nearly as stupid as these brave soldiers. Wait here for me, and I'll go back and get it. So she went into the room where she had seen the grasshopper, and presently Ozma of Oz, as lovely and dainty as ever, entered and approached the Queen of Ev, greeting her as one high-born princess greets another. But where are my friends the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman? asked the girl ruler, when these courtesies had been exchanged. I'll hunt them up replied Bellina The scarecrow is solid gold, and so is TikTok. But I don't exactly know what the Tin Woodman is, because the Nome King said he had been transformed into something funny. Ozma eagerly assisted the hen in her quest, and soon the scarecrow and the machine man, being ornaments of shining gold, were discovered and restored to their accustomed forms. But search as they might in no place could they find a funny ornament that might be the transformation of the Tin Woodman." "'Only one thing can be done,' said Ozma at last. And that is to return to the Gnome King and oblige him to tell us what has become of our friend." "'Perhaps he won't,' suggested Billina. "'He must,' returned Ozma firmly. "'The King has not treated us honestly. For under the mask of fairness and good-nature he entrapped us all, and we would have been forever enchanted had not our wise and clever friend, the Yellow Hen, found a way to save us." "'The King is a villain,' declared the Scarecrow. "'His laugh is worse than another man's frown,' said the Private with a shudder. "'I thought he was honest, but I was mistaken,' remarked Tik-Tok my thoughts are usually correct but it is smith and tinker's fault if they sometimes go wrong or do not work properly smith and tinker made a very good job of you said ozma kindly i do not think they should be blamed if you are not quite perfect thank you replied tiktok then said belina in her brisk little voice let us all go back to the Nome King and see what he has to say for himself. So they started for the entrance, Ozma going first, with the Queen and her train of little princes and princesses following. Then came Tik Tok and the Scarecrow, with Bellina perched upon his straw stuffed shoulder. The twenty seven officers and the private brought up the rear. As they reached the hall the doors flew open before them, but then they all stopped and stared into the domed cavern with faces of astonishment and dismay. For the room was filled with the mail-clad warriors of the Gnome King, rank after rank, standing in orderly array. The electric lights upon their brows gleamed brightly, their battle-axes were poised as if to strike down their foes. Yet there remained motionless statues awaiting the word of command, and in the center of this terrible army sat the little king upon his throne of rock. But he neither smiled nor laughed, instead his face was distorted with rage and most terrible to behold. End of chapter 16 The Scarecrow Wins The Fight After Belina had entered the palace, Dorothy and Evering sat down to await the success or failure of her mission, and the Gnome King occupied his throne and smoked his long pipe for a while in a cheerful and contented mood. Then the bell above the throne, which sounded whenever an enchantment was broken, began to ring and the king gave a start of annoyance, and exclaimed, Rockety-rickets! When the bell rang a second time, the king shouted angrily, Smudge and blazes! And at a third ring he screamed in fury, hypocaloric Which must be a dreadful word, because we don't know what it means. After that the bell went on ringing time after time, But the king was now so violently enraged that he could not utter a word, but hopped out of his throne and all around the room in a mad frenzy, so that he reminded Dorothy of a jumping jack. The girl was, for her part, filled with joy at every peal of the bell, for it announced the fact that Bellina had transformed one more ornament into a living person. Dorothy was also amazed at Bellina's success for she could not imagine how the Yellow Hen was able to guess correctly from all the bewildering number of articles clustered in the rooms of the palace. But after she had counted ten, and the bell continued to ring, she knew that not only the royal family of Ev, but Ozma and her followers also were being restored to their natural forms, and she was so delighted that the antics of the angry king only made her laugh merrily. Perhaps the little monarch could not be more furious than he was before, but the girl's laughter nearly drove him frantic, and he roared at her like a savage beast. Then as he found that all his enchantments were likely to be dispelled, and his victims every one set free, he suddenly ran to the little door that opened upon the balcony, and gave the shrill whistle that summoned his warriors. At once the army filed out of the gold and silver doors in great numbers, and marched up a winding stairs and into the throne room, led by a stern-featured gnome who was their captain. When they had nearly filled the throne room, they formed ranks in the big underground cavern below and then stood still until they were told what to do next. Dorothy had pressed back to one side of the cavern when the warriors entered and now she stood holding little Prince Evering's hand while the great lion crouched upon one side and the enormous tiger crouched on the other side. "'Seize that girl!' shouted the king to his captain, and a group of warriors sprang forward to obey. But both the lion and the tiger snarled so fiercely and bared their strong sharp teeth so threateningly that the men drew back in alarm. "'Don't mind them,' cried the Gnome King. "'They cannot leap beyond the places where they now stand.' "'But they can bite those who attempt to touch the girl,' said the captain. "'I'll fix that,' answered the king. "'I'll enchant them again so that they can't open their jaws.' He stepped out of the throne to do this, but just then the sawhorse ran up behind him and gave the fat monarch a powerful kick with both his wooden hind legs. "'Oh, murder, treason!' yelled the king, who had been hurled against several of his warriors and was considerably bruised. "'Who did that?' "'I did,' growled the sawhorse viciously. "'You let Dorothy alone, or I'll kick you again.' "'We'll see about that,' replied the king, and at once he waved his hand toward the sawhorse and muttered a magical word. "'Aha!' He continued. Now let us see you move, you wooden mule. But in spite of the magic, the sawhorse moved, and he moved so quickly toward the king, that the fat little man could not get out of his way. Thump! Bang! Came the wooden heels, right against his round body, and the king flew into the air and fell upon the head of his captain, who let him drop flat upon the ground. Well, well said the king, sitting up and looking surprised. "'Why didn't my magic belt work, I wonder?' "'The creature is made of wood,' replied the captain. "'Your magic will not work on wood, you know.' "'Ah, I'd forgotten that,' said the king, getting up and limping to his throne. "'Very well. Let the girl alone. She can't escape us anyway.' The warriors, who had been rather confused by these incidents, now formed their ranks again and the sawhorse pranced across the room to Dorothy, and took a position beside the hungry tiger. At that moment the doors that led to the palace flew open, and the people of Ev and the people of Oz were disclosed to view. They paused, astonished at the sight of the warriors, and the angry gnome king seated in their midst. "'Surrender!' cried the king in a loud voice. "'You are my prisoners!' Go long, answered Bellina from the Scarecrow's shoulder. You promised me that if I guessed correctly, my friends and I might depart in safety, and you always keep your promises. I said you might leave the palace in safety, retorted the king, and so you may, but you cannot leave my dominions. You are my prisoners, and I will hurl you all into my underground dungeons, where the volcanic fires glow, and the molten lava flows in every direction, and the air is hotter than blue blazes. That will be the end of me, all right," said the Scarecrow sorrowfully. One small blaze, blue or green, is enough to reduce me to an ash heap. Do you surrender? demanded the king. Bellina whispered something in the Scarecrow's ear that made him smile and put his hands in his jacket pockets. "'No,' returned Ozma, boldly answering the king. Then she said to her army, "'Forward, my brave soldiers, and fight for your and yourselves unto death!' "'Pardon me, most royal Ozma replied one of her generals. But I find that I and my brother officers all suffer from heart disease, and the slightest excitement might kill us. If we fight, we may get excited. Would it not be well for us to avoid this grave danger?" "'Soldiers should not have heart disease,' said Ozma. "'Private soldiers are not, I believe, afflicted that way,' declared another general, twirling his mustache thoughtfully. If your royal highness desires, we will order our private to attack yonder warriors. Do so, replied Ozma. Forward march, cried all the generals with one voice. Forward march, yelled the colonels. Forward march, shouted the majors. Forward march, commanded the captains. And at that the private leveled his spear and dashed furiously upon the foe. The Captain of the Gnomes was so surprised by this sudden onslaught that he forgot to command his warriors to fight, so that the ten men in the first row, who stood in front of the Private's spear, fell over like so many toy soldiers. The spear could not go through their steel armor, however, so the warriors scrambled to their feet again, and by that time the Private had knocked over another row of them. Then the captain brought down his battle-axe with such a strong blow that the private spear was shattered and knocked from his grasp, and he was helpless to fight any longer. The Gnome King had left his throne and pressed through his warriors to the front ranks so he could see what was going on, but as he faced Ozma and her friends, the scarecrow as if aroused to action by the valor of the private drew one of Billina's eggs from his right jacket pocket and hurled it straight at the little monarch's head. It struck him squarely in his left eye, where the egg smashed and scattered as eggs will, and covered his face and hair and beard with its sticky contents. "'Help! Help!' screamed the king, clawing with his fingers at the egg in a struggle to remove it. An egg, an egg, run for your lives," shouted the captain of the gnomes in a voice of horror. And how they did run! The warriors fairly tumbled over one another in their efforts to escape the fatal poison of that awful egg, and those who could not rush down the winding stair fell off the balcony into the great cavern beneath, knocking over those who stood below them. Even while the king was still yelling for help. His throne room became emptied of every one of his warriors, and before the monarch had managed to clear the egg away from his left eye, the scarecrow threw the second egg against his right eye, where it smashed and blinded him entirely. The king was unable to flee, because he could not see which way to run, so he stood still, and howled and shouted and screamed in abject fear. While this was going on, Bellina flew over to Dorothy, and perching herself upon the lion's back, the hen whispered eagerly to the girl, "'Get his belt! Get the Gnome King's jeweled belt! It unbuckles in the back! Quick, Dorothy, quit!' End of chapter 17 THE FATE OF THE TIN Woodman. Dorothy obeyed. She ran at once behind the Gnome King, who was still trying to free his eyes from the egg, and in a twinkle she had unbuckled his splendid jeweled belt, and carried it away with her to her place beside the tiger and lion, where, because she did not know what else to do with it, she fastened it around her own slim waist. Just then the chief steward rushed in with a sponge and a bowl of water, and began mopping away the broken eggs from his master's face. In a few minutes, and while all the party stood looking on, the king regained the use of his eyes, and the first thing he did was to glare wickedly upon the Scarecrow and exclaim, "'I'll make you suffer for this, you hay-stuffed dummy! Don't you know eggs are poison to gnomes?' "'Really!' said the Scarecrow. "'They don't seem to agree with you, although I wonder why.' they were strictly fresh and above suspicion," said Belina. You ought to be glad to get them. I'll transform you all into scorpions," cried the king angrily, and began waving his arms and muttering magic words. But none of the people became scorpions. So the king stopped and looked at them in surprise. What's wrong? he asked. Why you are not wearing your magic belt? replied the chief steward after looking the king over carefully. Where is it? What have you done with it? The Nome King clapped his hand to his waist, and his rock-colored face turned white as chalk. It's gone, he cried helplessly. It's gone, and I'm ruined. Dorothy now stepped forward and said, Royal Ozma and you, Queen of Ev, I welcome you and your people back to the Land of the Living. Bellina has saved you from your troubles, and now we will leave this dreadful place and return to Eve as soon as possible." While the child spoke, they could all see that she wore the magic belt, and a great cheer went up from all her friends, which was led by the voices of the Scarecrow and the Private. But the Gnome King did not join them. He crept back onto his throne like a whipped dog, and lay there bitterly bemoaning his defeat. But we have not yet found my faithful follower, the Tin Woodman," said Ozma to Dorothy, "'and without him I do not wish to go away.' "'Nor I,' replied Dorothy quickly. "'Wasn't he in the palace?' "'He must be there,' said Belina. "'But I had no clue to guide me in guessing the Tin Woodman, so I must have missed him.' "'We will go back into the rooms,' said Dorothy. This magic belt, I am sure will help us to find our dear old friend." So she re-entered the palace, the doors of which still stood open, and everyone followed her except the Nome King, the Queen of Ev, and Prince Evring. The mother had taken the little prince in her lap, and was fondling and kissing him lovingly, for he was her youngest-born. But the others went with Dorothy, and when she came to the middle of the first room, the girl waved her hand as she had seen the king do, and commanded the Tin Woodman, whatever form he might then have, to resume his proper shape. No result followed this attempt, so Dorothy went into another room, and repeated it, and so through all the rooms of the palace. Yet the Tin Woodman did not appear to them nor could they imagine which among the thousands of ornaments was their transformed friend. Sadly they returned to the throne room, where the king, seeing that they had met with failure, jeered at Dorothy, saying, "You do not know how to use my belt, so it is of no use to you. Give it back to me, and I will let you go free, you and all the people who came with you. As for the royal family of Ev, they are my slaves, and shall remain here." I shall keep the belt," said Dorothy. "'But how can you escape without my consent?' asked the king. "'Easily enough,' answered the girl. "'All we need to do is to walk out the way that we came in.' "'Oh, that's all, is it?' sneered the king. "'Well, where is the passage through which you entered this room?' They all looked around, but could not discover the place, for it had long since been closed. Dorothy, however, would not be dismayed. She waved her hand toward the seemingly solid wall of the cavern and said, I command the passage to open. Instantly the order was obeyed, the opening appeared, and the passage lay plainly before them. The king was amazed, and all the others overjoyed. Why, then, if the belt obeys you, were we unable to discover the Tin Woodman? asked Ozma. I can't imagine," said Dorothy. "'See here, girl,' proposed the King eagerly. Uh, "'Give me the belt, and I will tell you what shape the tin woodman was changed into, and then you can easily find him.' Dorothy hesitated, but Bellina cried out, "'Don't you do it! If the Gnome King gets the belt again, he will make every one of us prisoners, for we will be in his power. Only by keeping the belt, Dorothy, will you ever be able to leave this place in safety.' I think that is true," said the Scarecrow, but I have another idea, due to my excellent brains. Let Dorothy transform the king into a goose-egg, unless he agrees to go into the palace and bring out to us the ornament which is our friend Nick Chopper, the Tin Woodman. A goose-egg? echoed the horrified king. How dreadful! Well, a goose egg you will be, unless you go and fetch us the ornament we want," declared Bellina with a joyful chuckle. "'You can see for yourself that Dorothy is able to use the magic belt all right,' added the Scarecrow. The Gnome King thought it over, and finally consented, for he did not want to be a goose egg. So he went into the palace to get the ornament, which was the transformation of the Tin Woodman, and they all awaited his return with considerable impatience, for they were anxious to leave this underground cavern and see the sunshine once more. But when the Nome King came back, he brought nothing with him except a puzzled and anxious expression upon his face. He's gone, he said. The Tin Woodman is nowhere in the palace. Are you sure? asked Ozma sternly. "'I'm very sure,' answered the king tremblingly, "'for I know just what I transformed him into and exactly where he stood, but he is not there. And please don't change me into a goose egg, because I've done the best I could.' They were all silent for a time, and then Dorothy said, "'There is no use punishing the Gnome King any more, and I'm afraid we'll have to go away without our friend.' "'If he is not here, we cannot rescue him,' agreed the Scarecrow, sadly. "'Poor Nick! I wonder what has become of him!' "'And he owed me six weeks back pay,' said one of the generals, wiping the tears from his eyes with his gold-laced coat-sleeve. Very sorrowfully they determined to return to the Upper World without their former companion, and so Ozma gave the order to begin the march through the passage. The army went first, and then the royal family of Ev, and afterward came Dorothy, Ozma, Billina, the Scarecrow, and TikTok. They left the Nome King scowling at them from his throne and had no thought of danger until Ozma chanced to look back and saw a large number of the warriors following them in full chase, with their swords and spears and axes raised to strike down the fugitives as soon as they drew near enough. Evidently the Gnome King had made this last attempt to prevent their escaping him, but it did no good, for when Dorothy saw the danger they were in, she stopped and waved her hand and whispered a command to the magic belt. Instantly the foremost warriors became eggs, which rolled upon the floor of the cavern in such numbers that those behind could not advance without stepping upon them, but when they saw the eggs. All desire to advance departed the warriors, and they turned and fled madly into the cavern and refused to go back again. Our friends had no further trouble in reaching the end of the passage, and soon were standing in the outer air upon the gloomy path between the two high mountains. But the way to Ev lay plainly before them, and they fervently hoped that they had seen the last of the gnome king and of his dreadful palace. The cavalcade was led by Ozma, mounted upon the cowardly lion, and the Queen of Ev, who rode upon the back of the tiger. The children of the Queen walked behind her, hand in hand. Dorothy rode the sawhorse, while the scarecrow walked and commanded the army in the absence of the tin woodman. Presently the way began to lighten, and more of the sunshine to come in between the two mountains, and before long they heard the thump, thump, thump of the giant's hammer upon the road. How may we pass the monstrous man of iron?" asked the queen, anxious for the safety of her children. But Dorothy solved the problem by a word to the magic belt. The giant paused with his hammer held motionless in the air, thus allowing the entire party to pass between his cast-iron legs in safety. End of chapter 18.